0: Why was the neckwear salesman late to the party?
1: I don't know. Why?
0: He was all tied up.
1: Itch manners.
0: Hello, Internet. I'm your husband, host, Travis McElroy.
1: And I'm your wife, host, Teresa McElroy.
0: And you're listening to Schmanners. It's
1: extraordinary Mm -hmm. etiquette.
0: For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove.
1: Hello, dear. That
0: was a good joke. (laughs) Listen, I'm not saying it was a great joke. It's not in the grand scheme of things. It is not not a groaner. It is. But if you're looking at just the simple construction and the payoff, the neckwear salesman was all tied up. That, That to me is funny. It, you know what? And you know what? I'm just a professional comic person. <laughs> what do I know?
1: Just because you get paid for it doesn't make you a professional. That
0: is, that is actually the exact definition. That is exactly what that means. <laughs> I'm a professional comedy person who makes comedy professionally, and I'm saying the neckwear salesman was all tied up right. is a good joke. Mm-hmm hashtag good joke
1: hashtag dad joke
0: no i said good joke not dad joke (laughs) though it is a dad joke because i technically a dad made it hello this is schmanners you probably figured that out already
1: i think we've said it a few times
0: um this so we have a kind of an unofficial series maybe it's official at this point that's kind of an accessories series because what you come to learn we i think we did an episode on like fans uh gloves gloves yeah Acts. stuff stuff like that and what you come to learn is there's a lot of procedure procedural etiquette right when it comes to these right and listen ties are no exception and right now we're talking about all kinds of neckwear tie neckties bow ties bolo ties bolo ties um ascots uh cravats indeed um
1: well, I'll even get into ruffs and uh, and starched collars. Oh and boy. Bo Brummel and all that business. Oh
0: Bo Brummel. Ugh. Bo Brummel.
1: <laughs> I remember when we did the episode about Bro Bo Brummel. You were very excited and now you've uh
0: Yes. Can I tell you why? Why? We well, so when we did the first episode about him. It was like, oh, he was, you know, dandy, and he was uh, at the forefront of, of men's fashion at the time, which, cool. But then we later talked about Bo Brummel being the reason that, like, basically men started dressing more plain, uh, by which I mean Bo Brummel was all about, like, simple color, like, you know, blacks and grays and brown colors, um, and, and like, no flashy accessories. and high- It was about, like, clean lines and...
1: He's He turned out to be more minimalistic than you right. had hoped. All right. Yes,
0: I thought he was going to be more, much more like the King of Dudes that we covered uh, Evander, huh, not Holyfield, that's a different guy. <laughs> Evander Wall, the King of Dudes, right? But instead, Bo Brummel was more like fashionable because he made fashion for dudes simpler and more boring. Okay. Ugh. So let's talk about... Ugh, Bo Brummel. Let's talk more about neckwear. More like Bo Boring. What?
1: Let's talk about neckwear.
0: Okay, let's... And listen, this is another one of those episodes where we are probably going to, as we talk about the history of it, refer a lot to it as, like, men's fashion. But listen, neckwear, ties, bow ties, bolo ties, cravats, ascots, ruffs, anybody could wear this.
1: And it's not a new thing. Um, the idea of, quote, men's wear being worn by women has, has happened throughout history. Um... it's mostly just because everybody was like, Oh well, that's just that's just so and so, that's what they wear. Yeah. This and is a reminder,
0: I was thinking about this last night in preparation. What is that
1: new movie? That movie with the lady in the family that has that wears menswear.
0: Uh Mr. Norrington or something like that? Is that the one you're talking about? With I think Glenn Close is in it, maybe? I don't know. I don't remember. Hey, please tweet at @shrenerscast and let <laughs> us know from the from the clue. The... She's a writer. A
1: uh-huh. writer. Uh, she and she likes oh, to Oh, gentleman write. Jack? Yeah. I
0: can't believe I got there.
1: I can't believe you did either. You're okay. amazing. Thank
0: you. I just know your brain. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, so I was actually thinking about this last night, right? Like I think neckwear falls into the category of we think of it as a quote masculine thing now because of advertising that basically started either in the late 1800s or the early 1900s of like, all right, listen, we gotta start selling stuff to dudes and selling stuff to ladies, so we need to separate them so we have a wet, like, that's what it is. It's all advertisement and not a pre-prescribed thing. It's all about the money. It's all about the money.
1: Okay, so here is a brief history. Probably the necktie originated as a military garment. Um, So, when the terracotta warriors were uncovered in 1974 in Xi'an, China, it was discovered that each and every statue wore a wrapped neck cloth. Um, So, it was kind of ascot-like. Okay. Um, And, you know, these statues were created in 210 BCE. So, like, it's the earliest known example of... The modern necktie
0: Of some kind of formalized, uniformly done Mm neckwear. Because I'm sure there were like scarves and wraps and stuff before then. I mean,
1: to keep warm, obviously. And I mean, like when we talked about gloves, we talked about the uses of gloves to keep one's hands from getting the outside onto them. Right. Uh, whether it's cold or dirt or whatever. Um, well, well
0: put, by the way. Gloves keep the outside right. from getting on your hands. I like
1: that. <laughs> um, and so...
0: We've been doing a lot of practice lately where BB will ask questions about why. You know, oh, she's yeah. three. why, why why? Why, why, and why, why? And you get really good at like, okay, <laughs> you, you want a concrete answer? All right. You put gloves on your hands to keep the outside from getting on them. <laughs> Argue with that, child. Uh,
1: so then the next example of a, of a depiction of a necktie... Uh, was in Rome. Emperor Trajan was depicted um, in a column in Rome, and it paid homage to his military genius. And several soldiers along with the column are depicted wearing various kinds of neckwear. So it didn't seem to be as much a military issue, but it did seem to denote rank uh, because... Both of these sculptures with the neckwear on them, there is no record of lay people, people not with military career, wearing neckwear
0: like this. Well, this tracks a lot, right? Because there's a lot of things like this, some that we've discussed, uh, where because there were these societies where the military was so front and center, as far as culture was concerned, it wasn't just something that like was off in the distance, right? You you saw the military every day. Mm-hmm. That right. military often influenced culture where it's like, I, we talked about that with like facial hair, right? Exactly. Of like mustaches and beards being a thing that like started because military, like there were soldiers coming home wearing mustaches and beards and people thought like, what a cool look, right? Sure, yeah.
1: It, it, I mean, it's... A lot of things are influenced by the military out of necessity. Uh, and a lot of that stuff.
0: Watches was one, right? Yeah. You had to get we went it. Went through with watches wrist. too. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Um, so then the the next depiction goes all the way up to the 1630s in the Thirty Years' War, um, where Croatia presented soldiers to uh, Louis the. Six- Oh no. How many okay. What letters X, are there? X three. Uh-huh. Thirteen.
0: Thirteenth.
1: To showcase their support. Thank you for that. I can't. Man, it's
0: Ugh. I've got so very few skills. And one of them <laughs> is my ability to quickly calculate. Not not past like say fifty. That's not great. But I understand the concept of Roman numerals.
1: Um, and so by the time Louis the sixteenth no, fourteenth, because the I is in front of the V. So
0: it goes X I V? Yes. Yes, fourteenth.
1: Fourteenth. Came to power. Um, the We should do
0: a whole episode on like the, the cultural impacts of math.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: It did have a I big just impact. Don't,
1: I don't have room in my brain right now.
0: Okay, fair enough. It's it's full of baby thoughts.
1: Full of baby thoughts. Okay. Um These the the necktie had moved from the practical purpose of something that would protect the soldier's shirts and buttons and necks and things like that.
0: I bet that that was something right with the glint off your buttons. I bet it also was like practical there of like doesn't catch light and give away your position.
1: Uh, They it moved into French fashion. Well, yes, of course, of course. Um, Some would even say that cravat, the French word for tie. Is a corruption of the word Croat from their Croatian friends.
0: Okay. All
1: right. Some would argue. So, but the, the cravat was really the fashion item that birthed all the rest of now, the neckties. A
0: cravat is like. like scarf like thing right that you tie it so that it's kind of puffy in front right
1: right yes um so in 1660 right after charles ii reclaimed the throne for the restoration um he made it very popular to have these large cravats and they would Um, like
0: tuck into your shirt right that's the difference between an ascot and a cravat right cravat kind of tucks into your jacket or whatever and an ascot is like more tied around like that, that's what I'm picturing with Fred well. from Scooby-Doo. <laughs> yeah.
1: The placement isn't necessarily what distinguishes them. What distinguishes them is the, the knot and the tying. Okay. Um, So they came with tassel strings. You could get a roughed collar with it. You could use embroidery and lace and all this other kind of stuff with the cravat. Um. And it moved all the way into the 18th century where <clears throat> wearing a cloth around one's neck was, uh, wasn't was tied to social status anymore. It was just you put on pants, you put on a necktie. <laughs> That's the thing that everybody wears.
0: Okay. So I looked it up real quick because I'm trying to see. And I, I, from what I can tell from visual differences, like it seems like a cravat is closer to a tie, Mm -hmm. right, where you would have the knot there, but then instead of it going down in a straight or even, like, flared strip of fabric, it's more of just like... Like a bow. It's just fabric, right? It's just kind of a loose, billowy look. Where a cravat...
1: No, where an ascot...
0: Where an ascot seems to be more of a scarf-looking thing, like it's actually tied, Right, more of a knot. It looks closer to a tie.
1: Yes, and often is accompanied by a pin.
0: Yes. But it seems, as I'm looking over the images here on Google, fairly interchangeable terminology, right? Like, you could definitely tell the difference between a cravat and ask it versus a necktie. Right. Right, but it seems like cravat and asket are like, eh, say whatever.
1: When I think of the, the definitive, like, picture uh-huh. I think of um, Mr. Darcy wears a cravat because it's kind of like a bow almost that's poofy uh-huh. He's a, he was a dandy and um, Freddie Einsford Hill from uh, My Fair Lady wears an askot. Okay, so it's not flouncy it's the uh, the kind of like it almost looks like just like a one knot. And then a pin
0: Right And it also looks like It could be worn Either tucked in Yes To the jacket Or Or like on top of a Or the vest Yes Could be tucked into the vest
1: Um, Okay And
0: you know what It's a good look People (laughs) should bring that back It's a good look Paul F.
1: Tompkins wears them a lot
0: Yeah Maybe I'm gonna start bringing this back Or like be a part of bringing it back I should say Okay. Okay we'll see about this Okay Anywho
1: so, let's talk about terminology still in a history context. Okay. So, when did the cravat or collar turn into a tie? We think the late 1700s, uh, because this is when um, the term macaronis was coined.
0: <gasps> oh, stuck a feather in it, got call called a macaroni, which means yes. that he thought he was a fancy... Fancy fellow because he stuck a feather in his cap and he thought he was a macaroni. But it, in fact, he just looks silly because originally Yankee Doodle was a song to make fun of Americans. Exactly. It um, also kind of looks side note uh, like maybe a cravat is under the collar and an ascot is worn inside the shirt. Maybe vice versa, maybe both.
1: <laughs> but it's something
0: like that. like
1: again, I'm not quite certain it has to do with placement and more has to do with the knot. okay, okay. um so speaking of knots, here's the thing. Uh, one of the illustrations of these complex knots that were available at the time uh, was called the neckclothitania <gasps>
0: Yay! That's great! In 1818.
1: Um, and it was, you know, it, it was basically the YouTube tutorial of the day.
0: Yes. Where... Which is how I learned to tie a bow tie. <laughs> Hint, if you're looking for a good YouTube tutorial to uh, tie a bow tie, look for ones where they're tying it in a mirror instead of facing the camera. Because if they're tying it in a mirror and filming the mirror, it's easier, at least it was easier for me, to mimic their hand motions. Uh, because it wasn't backward,
1: right? So you didn't have to reverse it. it was already reversed. Exactly. The um, and then the next one, uh, in eighteen twenty eight, was called the Art of Tying the Cravat, um, which had sixteen different lessons and thirty two different tying styles. Oh boy! So we're hey, good
0: news. You don't need that.
1: You don't need all of those. We'll talk about that. All right. So. Where did the tie start?
0: What, uh, are you asking me? Italy, no, America,
1: okay, wait a second,
0: France, Germany, <laughs> New Zealand.
1: Stop it. I that's not what I was exactly asking. Oh, okay. I said where and I meant when, and uh, so during the industrial revolution between the 18th and 19th century, this is when the tie that we know it. Emerged
0: Because with machines, you could make it standard. Is that the idea of, like, you could reproduce the fabric over and over and over again into a tie? I mean, it was probably definitely easier to do in the industrial... (sighs) I almost said industrial resolution, and that's nothing. (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh,
1: Not just that, but, I mean, people didn't have time. They Mm. were working Mm. constantly in these factories that never seemed to close, and so, like taking hours to tie your tie wasn't something that anybody wanted to do
0: and probably we're also looking at this is once again just guessing from stuff we've talked about in the past is now that there's an emerging middle class mm-hmm. people wanted to wear neckwear but probably couldn't afford like I'm gonna get a, you know my tailor to make a beautiful silken cravat
1: exactly. so I'm just gonna
0: go buy a tie off the rack
1: so this is when the first, tie knot that we know called the four in hand knot, uh was started to be we'll used. We'll explain
0: what these are, I promise.
1: Yes. It's basically a slip knot. If you know anything like about the band.
0: knots. No. No. I we like I said, we'll go into it. Let's stick with the history and then we'll explain different styles.
1: Okay. Um these were often used for uh for school ties For Boy Scout ties, for, you know, things that weren't necessarily about status, but more about, like, we're all going to dress the same. Right. Uniform. Uniform. Exactly. Um, So there, as usual, there has to be one one sort of thing that happens we're like, oh, but we're special. Yes. <laughs> so that's when the ascot really comes in in the eighteen eighties. Um King Edward the Seventh, I got it. Nice. Uh, wore an ascot to the Royal Horse Races, which is actually why it is named after the Royal Ascot. Oh, okay. it's a race. Okay. Cool. Um, but still, I mean, if we're thinking about that kind of like slipknot look and the four in hand, and then the uh, the ascot, these aren't quite the ties that we recognize today with like the wider arrow end and the slimmer end. Right. Um, that took to the 1920s.
0: I'm not surprised by that whatsoever.
1: Um, Jesse Langsdorff. A New York tie maker cut the fabric at a 45 degree angle around the bottom edge. This meant, now that the tie could drape evenly when tied in a standard knot without having to twist it. Thus, the modern necktie was born. Bum, and it is still cut and designed the same way that Langsdorf cut it all those years ago today.
0: All right. <laughs> what was that? Did you melt? No, I'm just Oh, you're doing a 1920s. I'm voice. doing
1: more 1920s business. Okay. okay. Now, we have the shape. Here comes the 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 decades, the patterns of the decades. Okay. We've got Art Deco in the 30s. Those went on ties. We've got the skinny tie from the 50s cut to complement the slimmer style suits. Then we've got the 60s and 70s where ties started getting wider because the collars started getting wider. The shoulders of the suits started getting Everything wider. Everything started getting bigger. Everything started getting bigger. Then you have the bolo tie, uh, which may, we'll have to talk about this again, may have originated from uh, wearing a hat behind your back. So the oh. strings of the hat. Okay. Um. But we'll... That's not today. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't do it. All right. And then today we get back into standardized tie pretty much um, being three and a fourth inches to three and a half inches wide. But they do come in any color, shape, pattern. Uh, You know, you can get knit ties. You can do uh, like taffeta ties you i mean the sky is the limit no uh and it really has become in the standardized quote menswear uniform the way to show your personality right there are some people who wear you know cartoon ties and flag ties and i i I don't patterned, know pattern you know, ties with various checkered things, school, ties
0: school emblems perhaps
1: of course um T Malloy in his book Dress for Success says show me a man's ties and I'll tell you who he is or who he's trying to be
0: okay that seems i don't know a little dismissive but okay now listen i know i know why everyone tuned in here and it's to talk about when to tie what tie with what And all of that. And we're going to talk about that. But first, thank you note for our sponsors. This week, we would like to send a thank you note to Quip. Hey, Quip, thanks for being you. Thanks for everything. Because here's the thing. I love Quip. And I know I say that every time. And I know I say here's the thing. But this thing I really mean. And I'm really presenting it to you on a silver platter. Because for the longest time, I did not take care of my teeth. It was just not a thing I thought about. It always seemed like something that was a waste of time and I only ever did it. You know when my teeth felt dirty or whatever and that is not a good way to go and the thing is is I had forever dentists telling me like you need to use an electric toothbrush but I never wanted to because they always felt too strong they made my gums hurt they were always too bulky but Quip is designed to be very uh, very slim not bulky at all and it has a nice gentle vibration that still gets the job done but isn't going to make you feel like you're beating up your mouth and they have a built-in timer that guides gentle brushing for the dentist recommended two minutes which let's be honest none of us are doing without a reminder and it pulses every 30 seconds so you know when to move to different areas of your mouth and if you sign up with quip they'll automatically deliver brush heads to you every three months for clean new bristles right on schedule the sleek intuitive design is simple uh, and it comes with a travel cap that doubles as a mirror mount which you think like, well, okay, that's nice, but we don't need that. You will use the heck out of it, I promise. And it starts at just $25, and you'll get your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash schmanners. This is a simple way to support our show and start brushing better, but you have to go to getquip.com slash schmanners to get your first refill free. Go right now to G-E-T-Q-U-I-P, getquip.com slash schmanners. Take yourself to Apple Podcasts. You know what you're going to hear? We're happy. It's true. We're a delight. A great distraction from the world. I like that part a lot. So if that's what you guys are looking for, Mm -hmm. you got to check out our show. But what else can they expect? We've got dog tech, dog news, celebrities with their dogs, all dog things. All the dog things. So if that interests you, well, get yourself on over to Maximum Fun every Tuesday. Okay, we got some questions. Not surprising. A lot of them were very procedural.
1: Right. Okay, wait a second. Before we go into questions. Uh Uh-huh. Here are some basics. The first one being, when do I wear what type of tie?
0: Okay, this is a question from a lot of people.
1: Okay, here are the bullet points. It's typically accepted that the ascot and the bow tie are for formal morning or day occasions. Yes. Specifically the bow tie for like a day wedding. Right. Business formal... And black tie occasions usually call for a solid tie, which can be gray, black, blue, depending upon your suit, right? Um, But if you work in maybe the arts, well, side
0: note there: if you're doing a tuxedo, bow tie is the more appropriate. Uh, especially if you have a, like, uh, pleated or ridged shirt. Yeah, pleated is the word I'm looking for. Bow tie. With that is usually the way to go. You can probably get away with a solid black necktie, but... Right, tuxi- Depen-
1: depending upon the stated dress and whether it's day or an evening. Yes. Okay. And then, um, if you work in the arts or another laid-back environment, it's okay to do more of a skinny tie or a patterned tie. Yes. Right, Then... You want to consider seasons with the weight of the tie. Heavier fabrics for warmer, uh, sorry, cooler weather, lighter fabrics for cooler, for warmer, warmer weather. Yes. All right. But then, like, if you're going out for dinner, if you're going to a holiday party, if you're doing, I mean, basically anything, right? Anything other than something like formal. Like work or a gala, where would you want? Yes, right, showcase your personality. Um, you know, just know your audience. If you are going to a funeral, maybe not a novelty tie.
0: Yes, I, yeah, you know what? I am not even gonna say maybe. I am well, I say that maybe if the deceased would have found it funny, okay, cool. If it's a tribute to them, it's fine.
1: Um, <laughs> All right, one more thing. One more thing. Okay, more thing. okay. <clears throat> so placement. For ties in general and I'm talking the long ties.
0: Okay like where it lands? Yes. Okay because uh, this was Kit's question. Okay. What is the general accepted length for a tie?
1: It should the tip of the tie should rest right at your belt not below not above. Uh huh. A um, tie should never be visible under your collar. If you can see the tie under, the, oh, yes. uh-huh. under your collar the tie is too wide. Select a skinnier tie for your smaller collar um and if you want to wear a tie bar or a tie pin this was
0: also a question we got a lot it generally
1: goes between the third and fourth buttons on your shirt
0: my general rule uh for that is that if you are going to button your jacket it should be just peeking above that right so you can see it with the jacket closed but it's not like super high up right you're just seeing it right at the v of the jacket um,
1: I like the one that you have that's like a chain across the yeah, tie.
0: So, so here's the purpose of a tie clip um, is to not just keep the tie together, right, so that the the back side, you know, the short end, the thin end, doesn't come flying out. But also to pin it to the shirt, right, so it stays in position. Mm-hmm. So what I have is one that clips the tie and then has a chain that goes around and hooks on the button in the back. So that way the tie has some movement, but it doesn't keep it right there, Um also, when you're talking about uh, length, if you're wearing a vest over it, the tie should not hang out below the vest. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only exception to seeing it with the collar is if it is just the points of the collar and not a continuous collar around the back. That's, oh, okay. You see that a lot with like cravats and naskets that get used. sense. Or bow ties. Um, now, here's the thing. Here's the biggest question we got. Uh, and I'll sum it up here from this question from Stefan. Is there a social danger in your choice of knot in a necktie? Might a four in hand count as underdressing and a full Windsor count as overdressing? Okay, here's the thing about it. As far as I know, and I can find nothing to tell me I'm wrong, formality isn't the overriding factor to decide what the knot of the tie is. What does determine that is two factors, and that is the shape of the collar. And, like, your personal kind of body type, what, how the, for example, Teresa said uh, the four-in-hand skinny tie became really popular with slim-fitted suits, right? Right. Right.
1: Because it's a smaller knot, it's a thinner tie, right, and it's a slimmer suit. It all goes together.
0: Right. So, if you look at a collar, right, and you look at the angles of the points of the collar, right, that is what's going to help you determine what knot you want to do so if they are very straight or like create a narrow opening a foreign hand knot a, a skinnier knot is appropriate there if you have a very flared collar and you do a skinny knot it's not going to look right right it's going to look too skinny mm-hmm. same if you have a wide tie um so i guess what i'm saying is There's three factors. (laughs) But if you have a very wide tie, a very skinny knot is not going to work.
1: Right. It's going to look all bunched up and funny.
0: Right. So what you're really judging on is the shape of the collar, the shape of the tie, and how you are wearing your suit fitted. Right. All of those things help you match together. The collar matches to the tie, matches to the jacket is basically how you think about it. So if you're thinking about it in terms of what not to wear... K N O T, not to <laughs> Um you Good have one. the four in hand. Now oh, see
1: that one was funny. Thank
0: you. It was unintentional. It was in,
1: it was very intelligent.
0: Well, it was unintentional. Um <laughs> so the the four in hand is the skinniest. And there's really only three necktie knots you need to know. There's a bunch of other ones, if you want to get fancy with it and weird. But there's the, not
1: weird? Decorative.
0: The, sure. Flare. Um, I meant weird in a fun way. Let's get weird with it, right? You have the four-in-hand, which is the skinnier square or not. You have the half Windsor, which is slightly more flared, more triangular. And then you have the full or double Windsor. They're the same thing, um, which is very triangular and very flared, right? Yes. Um, Now, in actually tying them, I can't describe it in an audio medium. That's next to impossible. But... Um, if I ha-
1: would describe okay, the yes, four in hand is like a slipknot sure the half Windsor is an extra loop in that slipknot yeah, and so the as the full you're tying Windsor it, it
0: loops over one side yeah, of the top right.
1: and then the full Windsor is plus another loop on the other side
0: yes and if you're like me and you know that, like halfway through the evening, or maybe even sooner, you're gonna undo that top button of your shirt. You want to go with at least a half Windsor, if not a double, because that will still create enough room that as your collar spreads out, there's not gonna be huge gaps on either side of it between the tie and the collar.
1: So you can be a little more, uh, what do I want to say, sneaky about undoing your very much so
0: tend to like a style for a more casual uh, engagement where I will have like two buttons undone and the tie looser um, at which point a, a full winter is the way to go or maybe a half depending but that's up to you um, so that's the thing is it's not like oh you were a foreign hand to this event you're so underdressed it's more like you were a four in hand with a wide collar and a big thick tie and it looks kind of weird right right okay some more questions um, let's see. This is from Kyle. Is a tie accessory, tie pin clip, overdressing in certain situations? I don't think so. It really
1: depends on the style of the clip. Right. right? I mean, I wouldn't go, if you're just going to a regular day at the office, uh, I wouldn't go with anything that was like sequined or diamond encrusted. Yeah. But a plain silver bar or even like, like, um, like the pattern on your glasses they make a tortoise shell yeah tie clips that's very casual looking
0: i have a bunch that are shaped like swords and anchors and flowers and that kind of thing that i find fun um i think accessories in general lapel pins tie clips uh that kind of thing mm, love them uh let's see uh, oh this is from aaron is it okay to wear a tie with a button type color now you could mean two things here. Aaron, you could mean button down collar at which yes. Mhm. Um because that is why the button downs are there, right? It's to button around uh the fabric of the necktie. Now, if you mean a button type collar like uh it has no it has no uh collar, right? That it's just the button, right? And a kind of like raised
1: I always think about that's like the ones that I saw, I only saw those when I was in, like, show choir.
0: Right. Um, or if you mean, like, uh, a wingtip where I was talking about where to just the tips of the collar. I keep grabbing the skin of my neck because I'm, de- <laughs> I'm wearing a collared shirt. Anyways, um, in that circumstance, I would avoid wearing a necktie, but uh, with a band that has no tips, that's where, like, an ascot or a cravat uh, would work right because or uh,
1: even a really fancy button cover those yes, are nice too. right
0: uh now with a wing tip uh where it's you know just the tips of it that's a perfect time for a bow tie yeah um or an ascot or a cravat um but if you're wearing the top button buttoned that's where you're going stop
1: pulling on your neck skin. I know I don't
0: know why I'm doing that like I said I'm wearing a collar shirt <laughs> if you're wearing the top button buttoned that's where you want uh the ascot which ties outside or the bow tie if you're wearing it open that's a perfect time for a cravat because it's worn inside the shirt bada bing bada boom how do i know things (laughs) i don't know um let's see uh oh this is from amanda for non-formal ties bow tie situation what should your tie match is it okay to mix and match color patterns with pocket squares and shirts Uh, we also got that question from Buchanan I'm a trans guy starting my transition and I would like to know the rules with patterns and colors for example do pattern button downs get a tie or just solid colored shirts
1: listen do what you want to do yes it's more about the occasion than it is about the matching or I I mean even like uh, pattern mixing is a really great way to do these kind of things um like My I, advice, it's about get a second opinion.
0: That's what I do with Teresa. If I'm like, I think this mm-hmm. looks good, I will go to Teresa and I'm like, am I right that this looks good together, right? Yeah. Then wear it with confidence. Yeah. Um,
1: I would stay away from actual clashing on purpose yes. uh, unless, unless you're really making a fashion statement because what will happen is... If you if you really try and clash, you're just you're drawing attention to yourself. Yes. If that's what you want, then go ahead and clash. But I would say
0: if you're starting out right and you're just like basics of matching things, um, you solid colored ties with patterned shirts, patterned ties with colored shirts or like solid colored shirts are a good way to go. Uh, you want them to be mm-hmm. Um, So like if you're wearing a red shirt, I wouldn't wear a red tie. But if the tie has some red in it, right, that's a good look. Um, and and vice versa. you know, if you're wearing a pattern shirt that has a little bit of purple in it and you want to wear a solid purple tie, great. Um, now, in general, you don't want to match your tie to your pocket square, right? Now, I've seen it work. I've seen it be a good look. But in general... I would say you want it to be complimentary, like a solid purple tie with a pocket square with some purple in it. The only time I've ever seen it work is if it's, like, basically prom. That's yeah, the only Yeah, I mean, time. it's a
1: it's a set that you would buy together right. for a formal event, like a prom or a wedding or something. Right.
0: Um, but, yeah, I think as far as matching it goes, complimentary is fine. Yeah. That's what you're and looking you for.
1: And you can't go that- wrong with a... Um, a white pocket square with anything else that you're yes. wearing
0: um, and so if you're looking to build up your kind of tie arsenal here's my recommendations uh, black tie like a black solid tie and a silver tie Um, and then a black tie with a black pattern on top of it a silver tie with some kind of light patterning right um, texture is really good for that and then you can start going with patterns right and patterns like uh black white and silver patterns red and black like those kinds of things where it's going to match with a lot of things and i
1: would stay i would if you're just starting it stay with geometric patterns yes instead of prints
0: and small patterns are usually better uh to (laughs) match than like larger patterns Um, If you're just looking for your basics arsenal. I also recommend thinking in terms of seasons, right? Like having some spring colors in your arsenal is a good way to go. And having some autumnal colors. Having some browns and oranges and that kind of thing is a good way to go. Um, Yeah, so hopefully that's a good starter right that's yeah yeah. all right that's gonna do it for us thank you so much thank you for listening if you enjoyed this episode share it this is i think going to be a very helpful one for a lot of people people jaws on the floor just (laughs) what that's what a tie is Um, let's see, you can go on whatever your podcatcher is and rate and review our show. You can follow us on Twitter at Cast. If you have ideas uh, for episodes, which this one was, and I'm going to find it here in a second, then you can send them to SchmannersCast at gmail.com. What else, Teresa?
1: Well, we always thank Brent Brent, Bentrofloss Black for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. Also, thank you to Keila. Sorry, uh, Kayla M. Wassel for our Twitter thumbnail art, which is where we get a lot of these listeners uh, submitted questions. Um, and then also thank you to Bruja Betty Pinnett Photography for the cover picture of the fan-run Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners. Please go join that group if you love to give and get excellent advice from other Schmanners fans. Also, thank you to Alex, our um, our indomitable research assistant. We could not do this without her. Thank you very much, and uh, she is made possible by your donations to the Max Fund Network. Um, and that, you know, always helps us grow our show. So pay attention in the coming months for the Max Fund Drive.
0: Uh, this episode was suggested by Eli. Thank you so much, Eli. Um, and that's going to do it for us. So join us again next week.
1: No RSVP required.
0: You've been listening to Schmanners.
1: Schmanners, Schmanners. Get it. <laughs>